Good morning and welcome to the 7 a.m. Eastern Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Amy G. from Maryland. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. And today's date is Friday, January 25th, 2019. And today we are reading from the big book and Bill's story. We are at page one, the fourth paragraph, reading through two paragraphs and commenting on both. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Becca R., Barb E., Lori E., Anita L., and our newcomer greeter will be Irini, and our host is Kim for the second hour. The reference numbers for yesterday's Vision for You meetings, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 12,458. That's for Thursday, yesterday, January 24th. And for the 10 a.m. meeting is 12,459. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organizations political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Lori E. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Lori. Yes, I'm here. Thank you. This is Lori E., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Iowa. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve today, and I pass. Thank you, Lori. I will now ask for Anita L. to read the Twelve Traditions. Go ahead, Anita. Okay, good morning, everyone. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 Traditions. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everybody. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute, and once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book in Bill's story on page 1, We're going to be on the fourth paragraph, reading through two paragraphs, and I'm now going to ask Becca R. to read and and talk about it. Take it away, Becca. Hi, good morning. This is Becca R. recovered in Kentucky. 22 and a veteran of foreign wars. I went home at last. I fancied myself a leader, for had I not the men or had not the men of my battery given me a special token of appreciation? My talent for leadership, I imagined, would place me at the head of vast enterprises, 
which I would manage with the utmost assurance. I took a night law course and obtained employment as an investigator for a surety company. The drive for success was on. I'd proved to the world I was important. My work took me to Wall Street, and little by little, I became interested in the market. Many people lost money, but some became very rich. Why not I? I studied economics and business as well as law. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. Though my drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. We had long talks when I would still her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceived their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophical thought were so derived. All right, so um, Becca R. recovered, and um, you know, the first thing that really stuck out to me with the readings is just Bill's absolute ego, and um, and how much I could relate to that. Uh, anything I did, um, I've, I've ever done, I've wanted to do it and be the very best, and climb the hierarchy, you know, and be at the top. I want to be the president or the prime minister or whatever. Um, I uh, had all these delusions of um, grandeur, of of needing to be the best. And I think it goes back for me to, you know, to prove my worth, to prove that I'm, that I'm worth being alive, that I'm worth, um, you know, that I'm worth it, that I'm worthy. I've spent an entire lifetime of feeling like I'm not worthy. Um, and then on the next paragraph, um, when it talks about uh, the drive for success was on, I'd prove my worth to them and worlds that I was important. And again, I, you know, just to reiterate what I've said, um, I can find so much identification in Bill's story uh, to to myself, and when I look at it in um, terms of recovery and um, this disease, I, uh, you know, I just had a really hard time um, reading this story as a newcomer and thinking, what does this have to do with food and eating? Um, but as you know, the doctor's opinion described so clearly, and as as we go on to find out more, you know, the phenomena of craving is centered in my mind, and, um, you know, I have to identify in, and, and that's what I'm doing, I'm identifying in, I'm identifying in with Bill, and uh, I look forward to seeing what everybody else has to say. Thanks, Beth. Thank you, Becca R., Okay, so who would like to share on what was read? First name, last initial. I mean, first initial of Charles your last H. name, please. Harlan G. Barbara E. John L. Anita B. John L. Reva P. Katie F. Okay. Barbara. The, hold Tina on F. one sec. Hold, hold on. Um, okay, this is what I've got. I've got Charles H., Harlan G., I think it was Don L., Anita L., Katie F., Barbara E., and Tina, Tina F., Nessa R. I'm going to hold there on that one. Nessa, I'll get you with the next group, okay? One, two, three, four. 
Yes. Okay. So we've got Charles H., Harlan G., Don L., Anita L., Katie F., Barbara E., Tina F. Okay, go ahead. I don't want to have her. All right. Could someone please mute their phone? Charles, you're up, dude. Thank you, Amy. This is Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, you you know that commercial with the old man that was holding the string and saying you got to be quick. <laughs> anyway, um, so I wanna... <laughs> we're not Sorry. a drum up. I'm not I'm not stiff today. I feel great. It's Friday. I'm up. I'm alive. Thank you, God. So I want to drill down on two lines. I proved to the world I was important, and I fancied myself a leader. Well, um, you know I can identify with with those thoughts that Bill had because he was in depression. And you know what's so crazy? He became famous when he died. Very famous. Um, I, 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 you know, this book, will, the instructions in this book is enough. It's enough, right? Um, you know, I, I found out through experience, right, a good leader is an excellent follower. I follow this text, um, I hope you're all saving because we need to see all of y'all in Newark and California. Repeat after me. You're good, you're good enough, and you're worth it. Um, don't, don't, don't try to be too important. It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Love you, and I'm going to leave some time on the clock. I'm fast. Thank you, Charles. Harlan G., your turn. Please go ahead. Thanks, Amy G., uh, thank you not only for your service, but thanks to Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. The purpose of this chapter is to identify in. Can I identify in with the way Bill thinks, and can I identify in with the way Bill drinks and, and, and everything else? Well, let's take a look at this line here. It says, I studied economics as well as law. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. Now, he's eventually going to pass his law course. Everything I did was a constant state of failure. Failure was all around me. Everything I did, I knew was going to eventually turn sour because of one thing and one thing only, my inability to control my weight, to control the amount of food that I was eating, and my weight and my eating disorder would throw mud on everything in my life. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. Every dream I dreamed, every aspiration that I had turned ruinous because of this disease. I didn't even dare to dream anymore. I didn't even dare to fantasize anymore except for death. The fantasy of my life wasn't success. The fantasy of my life was that the pain would end in a merciful death. The only thing I wanted to know was could I get enough Doritos in my, in my stomach before death came so at least I could go on a full stomach? Then it says here, though my drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. We had long talks when I would steal her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceive their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophic thought were so derived. What is the first victim of addiction 
and that is the truth. The first thing to go out the window when an addiction is practiced is honesty. It's the truth. It is the first victim of addiction is the truth. I lied to myself. I lied to others. I lied when the truth would have served me better. I lied everywhere. I couldn't stand the truth. I couldn't look the truth in the face. When I was with you, and you were a Democrat, I was a Democrat. When I was with them and they were Republicans, I were Republicans. I became a chameleon. I, I can't tell you the joy in just being who I am, come what may. I can't tell you the joy of daring to dream. And I can't tell you the joy of wanting to live and embracing life, and embracing every day. And that only comes through recovery and a constant practice of these 12 steps. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. John L., you are up. Please go ahead. Good morning. This is John L. in Chandler, Arizona. And the thing that really got me about this reading was the story of my life, I guess, uh, that was kind of similar to uh, this reading. What happened to me was it was early one morning. I was seven years old, and the evening before, my mother baked a cake. I woke up early before everyone else, and I went and I had one piece of cake. Then I had another. Then I had another. And to make a long story short, I left one piece of cake in the in the pan. And my mom was very, very upset with me to say the least. I had no idea that what that episode represented was going to be food addiction and something that was going to plague me for the rest of my life. I continued through school when I got um, money and had freedom to go to the candy store in grade school. I did and I'd gained a lot of weight and became a, a pudgy little kid uh, by the time I was in sixth grade. I started a nicotine addiction by chewing tobacco, which held it off for about 11 years. But guess what happened when I decided I'm going to quit my tobacco habit? I went straight back to the food. On came the weight. Here I was, but here I was young, I was in my 20s, and I could, you know, I was yo-yoing and thought I could control this disease, and I was yo-yoing. When I take in sugar, especially, and other substances that trigger me, I'm a goner, and on comes the weight, and uh, my health gets wrecked, uh, I'm, I'm not a very attractive person out in the business world. And things just wreak havoc for me. Uh, I, too, like Bill W., could lose my dreams. And this is a horrible disease. And just thank God I found Overeaters Anonymous and a spiritual solution uh, to this problem that reared its ugly head back in the day when I was seven years old. Thank you very much, and I'll pass. Thank you, John L. You know, I think I might have missed Jason S., so if you're still there, Jason, I'm going to call you after Anita L., okay? I think I might have missed you in the jumble. So, Anita L., you're up, followed by Jason S., okay? Go ahead, Anita. 
Anita B., but thanks. <laughs> Anita B., thank you. Thank you for correcting me. No, I appreciate it. No, no, no problem. Uh, good morning, and I'm grateful to be able to share. I don't like to share uh, because, you know, I want to be perfect at everything, too, and I want to say the perfect thing, and I want to be the person who makes it click for everybody, But uh, and that's how I can relate to Bill. You know, um, he... You know, he fancied himself a leader. He fancied himself a leader. I fancy myself somebody who deserves uh, to be the leader just because. You know, not because I worked for it, not because it was my responsibility, but because just because. And uh, I I think it's maybe because I was the youngest of four and, uh, you know, parents were divorced young. So, you know, I was always spoiled, so I never really learned my responsibility. And I just allowed that through a lot of my life. And, and as Bill, you know, my eating was not yet continuous, um, but it did it. It doesn't, it took me a little longer. Thin as a child, I wasn't obese, um, but I was still sick like Bill in my mind. You know, um, I just thought everyone else was supposed to give me what I need and what I need to succeed. You know, give it to me so I can shine. And that's how I relate to Bill here, you know, going through school. Uh, I only did the minimum. I didn't do what I needed to do to get the the A's. I just did what I did to get by. And and I have to say that for many years in OA, I did the same thing. I did just what I needed to get by. I didn't want to sit and do this work. You know, I didn't want to take the responsibility. Uh, I'm learning that now, especially in my fourth step uh, right now, that, you know, it's so hard for me to see my part because, I don't want to take responsibility for what I, how I think and what I do. So, you know, I also relate to Bill with everything that happened, happy, sad, uh, loss, gain, you know, food was, was what we celebrated with. I'm grateful that I got a chance to share today. I'm grateful that my sponsor asked me if I would share today um, because I've been a little irritated and I don't want to turn to food and for that, I'm grateful. So thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank, thank you, Anita. Thank you for sharing. We're happy to have you. Okay. Jason S., you're up. Thanks, Amy. Uh, it's Jason S. here, a uh, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from Macomb, Alberta, Canada. Um, yeah, I'm looking at trying to how I identify with Bill Wilson in these two paragraphs and uh it's pretty easy to be honest. Um I can remember um from the time I was a small child um having that feeling of uh wanting to be a part of or, or being a big shot and you know <laughs> being a baller, you know. Um and uh i needed to stick out from other people um i wanted to be I wanted to be seen and when i didn't when i didn't get that that's when i would dive right into the food and uh that was right from the time it was very small when i didn't get what i wanted that's when i used to cope with 
Um, um, you know, there were so many things that I wanted to do. Um, like, you know, I can remember when I was a teen in school wanting to play basketball and I went and tried out for basketball and I, uh, I remember we were split up into teams and I had to take my shirt off and I wouldn't take my shirt off because it was too fat and I ended up just leaving, you know, it's just thinking about that stuff about how food robbed me of so much stuff when I was growing up and, uh, you know, and then I was thinking, you know, um, how, how ego is, how egotistical is that, you know, for me not to want to do something like that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm God's creation and I, people need to take me as I am and, you know, um, thank God that I have that foresight and that vision today to be able to see things and perceive them in that, that way through the 12 steps and, uh, um, Yeah, and I just I just identify with where he's talking about though my drinking was not continuous, it just you know, it disturbed my life. Um you know I was I was eating pretty heavy as a child, but it, it just got worse and worse as things as time went on and the more the more I wasn't able to do these things of that uh that I that I aspired to do the more the more I dove into my disease and the, the more it just started piling up and, and, it, and, uh, my aspirations and just dwindled. Time. So, okay. Thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Jason. Sorry, I missed you earlier. Katie F followed by Barbara E. Katie, your turn. Katie F. I want to unmute. We want to hear sorry, you. Sorry, I, I lost. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I lost my phone. Um, no problem. So <laughs> good morning. I'm Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, when I read this section of Bill's story, it just reminds me of, you know, my, um, when I was younger and I, you know, went to college and I just thought, you know, I didn't think about the work involved in becoming an accountant. For some reason, that's what I thought I should do. And, um, and I went to college and majored in, you know, drinking and binging. I mean, I didn't even go to class hard, hardly, <coughs> excuse me. And, you know, I just thought that somehow it was all going to be okay. And, you know, it wasn't, I didn't go back to school. I went to a business school the next year and did well. But so then that was another, you know, time that I thought, well, this, this eating and drinking isn't really that bad because I was so successful you know, at this business school. And, but then, you know, I, my most embarrassing or some of my most embarrassing times are at my first job with the way I ate and the way I drank and just the embarrassing things I did. But I still just thought it was going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I'm unique and I'm different and uh, it's not going to get worse. And, you know, instead my life got smaller and smaller um, I had to work 70 hours a week just to make it um, financially because I was making so little money. Um, and my eating after five years in OA, um, I went back to binging and it was so awful. 
I remember it like it was yesterday, how much I ate. And that's what happens with Bill, you know. We're going to read on. But I, you know, right now we're just at the part where he thinks that it's not that bad. And, you know, I am so grateful that I do remember how bad it got because if I thought about how it was in, you know, my early 20s, I would think this isn't that big a deal. You know, I managed to do a lot of things despite my eating, but that's not what happens to Bill and that's not what happened to me. It just slowly got worse. And, um, you know, I'm really grateful that I do remember exactly how bad it was because that's what keeps me sane today and knowing that the sanity of knowing that I can't take that desperate experiment of just one bite. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Barbara E., your turn, followed by Tina F., I think. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amy, uh, and thank you for your service, everyone. Okay, I'll start my timer. Bill's story. At first, when I read Bill's story, I couldn't identify with a young man living in the 1920s. But now I see his story as mine. The first eight pages are his descent into alcoholic hell. I, too, experienced that with my compulsive overeating and binging. I, too, felt heroic as I lost weight over and over again. I was heady from the applause at the meetings. Finally at goal, a lifetime member. I even became a lecturer. And why not? I was normal. I had arrived. My talent for losing weight would help others solve their weight problems. I would have many success stories. But my friends, I was a dry drunk, stark raving sober, and at goal but hanging on by my fingernails. Unfortunately, I was still me and I didn't like me. I was lonely, irritated, thin-skinned, opinionated, isolated from you and life. I even convinced myself, like Bill, that I could do better at college, be better at what I did in life if I fortified myself with salty, greasy, and sweet goodies. So soon I went back to my old friends, food, and in large quantities. Seriously, a dozen donuts eaten in the car, whoppers, fries, pasta, even candy eaten in the car on the way home from a lecture I had given. I was a liar and a fraud. So I took the geographical tour, of course, and embarked on a different program and suffered the same humiliating defeat over and over again. Veggies and fruit were forgotten, my kitchen scale put away. I was back at the hellish circle, circus, and my vicious tiger was out of its cage and savagely biting me. I was binging all day and into the night, eating all the foods that beckoned me. All the warnings of doctors and plans I was given were gone, the mindful eating forgotten. And besides, I didn't have a clue what mindful eating was unless it meant I didn't mind what you were eating as long as you kept out of my stash. I failed to heed the warnings. My compulsion to go back to my frenemies and my delusional thinking that I could stop whenever I wanted to were destroying me and creating an unhealthy environment for my family. But there is a light at the end of the story. 
Like Bill, I was exposed to a concept I'd never heard of, relying on something beside myself and surrendering to my own version of God on a daily basis and beings of service to others. Like Bill, it saved my life, but it's only one day at a time. I go to bed every night a recovered compulsive overeater, and I wake up every morning an addict, praying for the willingness to live another abstinent, other-centered day. Time. Thank you. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. I pass. Yes, perfect. Okay, Tina F., it'll be your turn. You're up. Thanks so much, Katie. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Grateful to be on the line. Some great shares this morning. So grateful to be a part of. You know, I, I too, as many others have shared, uh, when I first read this story, I thought, oh, you know, all these circumstances, I didn't have, I didn't have that. You know, and for years, I uh, identified out by looking at circumstances instead of looking at at the person and how he felt and how he drank and uh, stuff like that. And, you know, I too, you know, I, I loved it. What I just heard today, because I didn't know I shared so much with this one woman, which I admire. And, you know, I, I was right out of high school, going to nursing school and, you know, and I was on my way, you know, and then when I got to nursing school, you know, I forgot that, you know, I probably would have to learn. So I thought I should already know. And, you know, and I did well academically, but, you know, I, I drank and I ate through the whole thing. You know, and so when I didn't seem so perfect because, you know, my ego, I'm either at the top of the heap or the bottom. You know, um, my ego was, okay, I just got to quit this. You know, something had to go, and it certainly wasn't going to be my addiction. You know, it had to be the school. And then, you know, and, and then I settled. You know, then I settled for a job that I could just make some money and afford my addictions. You know, and how sad is that? You know, and, and one of the things that I know today is that I have an ego that will kill me. You know, and I, too, was, you know, I fancied myself a leader, which is so funny, you know, and I love what I heard. You know, the best leader is, is, is someone who learns to follow, and that was a great statement because today, if I share my experience, strength, and hope with others, like, they're, like others share their experience, strength, and hope to me, I am able to give this thing away one day at a time and for people to have the life that I am so freely given today. You know, and all I have to do is take a few simple suggestions. And those are the 12 steps for me. You know, I have to get out of myself, believe in the power greater than myself, and then help you. Trust God, clean house, and help others. And and I try and do that today imperfectly, you know, because I can still get caught up in that perfection, which will kill me because I am not perfect and I cannot meet it. And I always find something else to fill that hole with. And if it's not God, I'm down a slow road to you know where. So, you know, I'm so grateful to be on this line and to feel part of. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Much appreciated. Okay. So for those of you who just joined a little later, we are on Bill's story, page one, fourth paragraph, reading through two paragraphs. So I have Nessa R. up. Not Who else? Matt? Karenza B. Karenza P. Cutton L. Karenza B. Okay, so we're going to stop there. I have Nessa R, Matt R, Karenza B, Janice PM, Vasa O, Ida A. So let's see what we have left after that, okay? Nessa R. followed by Matt. Nessa, you're up. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Vision for you. My name is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So when Bill was trying to uh, fill the forebodings of uh, Lois, was he trying to convince her or was he trying to convince himself that what he was doing was normal? And I guess the corollary to that, that it was okay to continue doing what he was doing. And I can relate to that because I, I convinced myself that uh, nobody really noticed that I ate the way I ate. And this is notwithstanding the fact that I was almost 200 pounds in a very, very petite frame. Um, you know, um, I convinced myself that if I didn't eat in public, if I didn't eat in front of other people at parties, at, you know, dinners, whatever, then people would know and it didn't count. And then I came into the Fat Serenity Rooms of OA, and there I convinced myself that I could be fat and I could be happy at the same time. And I convinced myself that I could have uh, emotional recovery and spiritual recovery, even without physical recovery. And guess what? None of that was true. None of that was was. Um, uh, nothing, none of that worked for me. Um, and it wasn't until I got into enough pain um, that I just couldn't continue, that I had to admit the truth to myself, that I was fat, that my food was out of control, that I was fat and I was not happy, that there's no such thing as emotional and spiritual recovery um, without uh, physical recovery because when I am a slave to the food, I cannot serve God and help others. And so uh, just the fact that I'm not yelling at my kids doesn't mean that I am recovered. Um, and, uh, you know, it, uh, it is a program with rigorous, of rigorous honesty. And for me, uh, the rigorous honesty st- started there uh, by asking myself, how is this working for me? And it wasn't. And that was the starting point for me. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Nessa. Matt, it's your turn. You're up. Matt M., sorry. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive eater from New Jersey. Um, yeah, this is very interesting how Bill um, almost failed his law course and how he's starting to show how alcohol is taking a more and more prominent view uh, form in his life. It happened with me. You know, it started off really slow, and then it started to really avalanche when I was a kid. I, I became a compulsive eater from the age of eight years old. So I have, this is all I've known, and it's difficult to change your entire habit over your entire life. <laughs> I've done it one day at a time. I've been in the rooms for 11 years. I wish I could say I was recovered for 11 years, but I'm not. I just take it one day at a time, and I work the steps with my sponsor. I call my food in. I, uh, work the, I work the steps with my sponsor. I read the big book every day. I make outreach calls. I go on my meetings. I share my experience strength and hope, and I just try to give back what I've been so freely been given, because I've been given a lot of gifts over the years, from literature, scholarships, to conventions, all different wonderful things, and you know what, if I don't give back, then I'm just a selfish person, I don't want to be that selfish, egotistical, self-centered person anymore, I want to be a better version of myself, and that takes it takes a lot sometimes, because I have a huge ego, I'm an egomaniac with low self-esteem, and I have to really watch my my intentions when, when I start when I do certain things, by doing this because I want to be helpful, and a useful member of society, and we're doing it because I just want recognition, and I want to be told that I'm doing a good job. I don't need kudos. I don't need people to pat me on the back and tell me how wonderful I am for me to be able to realize that I'm doing the right thing. You know, I just have to do the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. 
that's all that matters, you know, doing the next right thing and moving forward in life. And I'm grateful today that I have that ability to see right from wrong and that I do have the ability to do the right thing. I'm just grateful I have that, um, my conscience back, my integrity is back, you know, and I'm very grateful that I have that opportunity to do the right thing one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. M. All right, Carenza B. Please go ahead. Carenza, press star one to unmute. Hi, can I be heard? Yes, go ahead. Please. Sorry about that. No I'm Carenza B. And when I first read Bill's story, I also was 22, and that was this summer. And I'm just getting teary because when I read it, it it was like I could relate on so many levels. And this morning, I'm, I'm waking up, and I'm in college, and I'm getting to experience my last year in a way that I never thought was going to be possible. And that's because when I when I applied to college and for the rest, of my for all of my life up till this point you know just like bill i wanted to be god but every time i couldn't be god if i couldn't be enough in my academics in in being a daughter in being a sister whatever it was i couldn't be god so i couldn't i couldn't do anything and and in reading bill's story and in reading everything in this book and working the steps I've been able to accept my own humanity and in accepting my humanity, my imperfect humanity, I've been able to do things I never thought I could do. And if there's anybody on the line who knows somebody who's young, please give them my number. I want to share this gift with other young folks so that they don't have to go through it life anymore experiencing what we had to experience. Um, my name is K-E-R-E-N-S-A-B, and I'm on the member list. So thank you for sharing my emotional share. And with that, I pass. Right on, Carenza. Thank you very much for sharing. All right. Janice P.M. Well, th- yeah, thank you, Miss Amy. This is Janice P.M., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts and I love the young lady and if there's anybody older old (laughs) and you're on the line and you think it's uh, too late for you it's never too late Um, you know this is Bill's writing his story this is his story giving us what happened to him so that we can probably see well probably I did see how I was more similar than different. And you know, this book, we all say it, is divinely inspired. Well, look at what it says. Ominous warning. Ominous warning. Just like we're sharing on this uh, on this meeting about ominous warnings, because that's divine. So there was a divine power that came right from this first page with Bill. That's where I believe that it came from, a power greater than anybody. But did we do what we heard? Did we, did we act? Did we think? This is the whole thing that I see in Bill's story right now, is that it wasn't so much his drinking as his thinking. 
it's not so much as my eating because food was always the solution for me. It was my thinking behind before, you know, that I was thinking that I used the food as the solution. This is what I see here. And uh, yeah, um, I was older when I came in here, but it didn't matter. I still have the same disease. The disease doesn't know how old you are. The disease gets us wherever we are. And you know, um, my talent for leadership, oh my, please, please um, time me. I thought I was great. I went right into a daycare center as a director. Well, guess what? I didn't do that myself. My father owned the business. Hello? I didn't even realize that until I did the fourth step and said, oh, yeah, I was too afraid. That's why I went into the business. And uh, I thought I was going to be really something because you know what? The first um, emotion is pride before the fall. Pride, thinking that I was really something else, you know. Um, and what I see in the next page is uh, it's all about his thinking. doesn't talk about drinking here. It talks about his thinking. And uh, in his thinking, he thought like, okay, I'll rationalize. I lied to myself. Oh, this is why I'm doing so good. The business is successful. It must be me. I didn't have any humility whatsoever. And I even told my husband, I have to eat. When I'm tired, I have to eat. And then I'll go to bed. Well, that's not normal. <clears throat> I was always justifying my actions. Justifying my actions because that's how I thought. I really did. And I really believed my thinking. So, um, yes, I am more similar than different with Bill, especially in his thinking. I would fool my husband. I would say, oh, get me the diet pills, you know, because they'll really work and I'll feel better and blah. And, you know, he did. And he was a doctor. Yes, okay, thank you. And, <clears throat> of course, when I wanted to eat more than I wanted not to eat, I wouldn't take the pill. And with that, <clears throat> I passed. Thanks, Amy. Yep, thanks, Janice. Okay, Vasa O. Yep. Yes, I'm here. Thank you, Amy, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Florida. And, um, yeah, I remember when I was reading um, Bill's story for the first time, I remember saying to my Abby, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't know why I have to read this. And she would just say, scratch the, f the alcohol and just food, put food on the top. And that's what I did. And I started identifying with Bill, you know, how he felt, how he was trying to succeed. I didn't know anything about ego. I did, you know, I did not know I, so much what I did not know till I came to Overeaters Anonymous. I just did not know. I learned it all here. No amount of money or knowledge would have given me what I've learned here because I see out there in the world with all the money and knowledge and knowledge, not all of them, but I know some of them are struggling with drugs and alcohol and that's not helping them, but I'm so grateful I found the solution. But anyways, uh, you know, Bill talks here about his experience, strength, and hope. And that's what we do. You know, we share experience, strength, and hope here. My disease was getting so progressive from uh, 15 years old when we came in America till 41 years old. I didn't think I was going to see my 45th birthday. I, you know, I remember thinking, I, it's going to kill me. This food is just going to kill me. 
So I have a second chance to life. I, was, uh, I came when I was 41 years old, and I'm 73 years old, and the, the life that I have over the years, it's unbelievable how I've been able to get through good times and bad times with not running to the food to make me feel comfortable, to make me feel better. But anyways, I'm so grateful that I've, I was led into Overeaters Anonymous to the 12 steps and the, and the abstinence. I had no clue anything about the spiritual melody, about the mental disease. I've learned it all here. So, you know, it's all here. We just, I mean, for me, it's just follow the direction, Vasa, and give it away. Pass it on. I give people, you know, who I, I'm, it's very easy for me to share about my, my, my experience if people want to hear it. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Nessa. I mean, Vasa, sorry. Ida A., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Ida A. here, grateful compulsive overeater from Northern British Columbia. And I am grateful today for all of you, and I'm grateful to be able to say out loud that I'm a compulsive overeater and I am powerless over this disease. And I, and I'm grateful to say I can relate to Bill, his huge ego. I prove to the world, Ida is important. I'm a person of genius. My best projects are conceived when I'm drunk on food. And I felt it was a weakness to say anything about this. And the best thing I could do is lie and delude myself. And so the rule in my family was, that I followed, if no one sees me eat, it doesn't count. If no one sees me take laxatives or purge, it doesn't count. And in fact, years ago in the 80s, the only time I was really caught, I was called into the internist, my parents were brought in, and they were trying to tell my parents I have a food-based issue when really nobody understood it back then. My mother stands up and says, Ida Monroe, you tell him you don't have a food issue or something like that. And I stood up and said, I don't have a food issue. And that's the last my family ever talked about it. And so I come from a long line of you don't ever talk about anything. And to this day, we've never talked about anything like that. And I feel so blessed to have stumbled into here where it's okay to admit I have a problem because my ego needed deflating massively in order for me to get out of the deluded thinking that food was my answer, because food was my drug of choice. Food was a stronger God, and food gave me the effect that I could manage all of you and life. And now I, t- now I see that after surrender, God's plan is there. God is on the other side of the food, on the other side of surrender, and that's through honesty, openness, willingness that I'm not a victim of my childhood, which I played for decades. I shoot myself daily in my foot if I don't turn to you to get out of my deluded thinking and if I don't turn to God in the 12 steps after have putting down the food and picking up the steps daily because I get it wrong. I do have a thinking problem. It will be with me till the day I die. But it's getting better and I'm seeing more because I am the biggest problem and I stand in God's way. And God's got a bigger plan for me and for all of you. 
Thank you all for letting me be here today. Blessings. Thank you so much, Ida. Okay, so we have time for maybe for one, maybe two shares. Who would like to chime in? Melissa C. Melissa? Jason K. Jason. Wait, I have Melissa C and Jason K, did you say? Okay, yep. Okay. We'll go with you two now. Oh if you guys could like split it. You know, like two minutes, two minutes, that would be great. So, Melissa C., you're up. Okay, great. I'm going to set my timer then. Hi, it's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, you know, what really grabs me and how I can relate to Bill is um, getting my ease and comfort from my position, how I feel others are perceiving me. And um, that was, you know, something that thing happened to me, you know, really young and just continued on. And food, what I did with food, um, could not get in the way of that because what I, you know, I needed the food even more than I needed how others viewed me, you know. And so that was a constant battle, you know, trying to prove I'm something, to feel I've arrived, to feel like I'm a leader. And yet, you know, what kind of a leader is someone who's eating the way that I ate, and and who did to my body the you know what I did to my body and um, you know that's the that's the torment of this disease that fighting to be somebody um, but the food owning me even more than that you know and and the other thing that you know really grabs me even just the word leader you know what am I looking to be a leader of you know and um, I I I think back to like you know, in my in my career, how I would um, always do my report cards, this is horrible, drunk and binging, you know, and I felt like that kind of like lubed my brain up, got me like much better at fairly assessing these kids. That's horrific. You know, what, what a horrible way to assess children. But I could not do it without being drunk, without being drunk on the food. And, um, yeah, and so my role as a leader, I love that, is to be a follower, is to be with my fellows, not above, not below. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Jason K., take us out. you got about a little under two minutes, okay? Okay, this is Jason K., um, outside of Philadelphia, recovered compulsive eater and bulimic. And uh, looking at Bill's story, uh, two things uh, that I look at as I see him start to tell his tale is this idea that we're victims of the delusion that we can rest satisfaction uh, if only we managed well, that somehow we can uh, make the millions, we can get the money, um, we can uh, get success, and we can somehow be okay. And the other thing that comes up for me is uh, this idea that we had to be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. This is what I see Bill doing with his his life, his story. Um, you know, just you know, they said Bill said he was uh, a fast talker, selling selling stuff to slow thinking people. He's going to get all this money. He's taking off on these road trips. He's um, coming back from the army, thinking he's going to be this great leader of men. And I would feel the same thing. I would tell people, I don't think I'm just going to have an ordinary life. Somehow, I was going to be better. I was going to be different, you know. And um, and, I, and at the same time, I just uh, I couldn't seem to fit in. So I lay my life experience up against uh, these types of 
reflections of trying to seek satisfaction, trying to wrestle satisfaction out uh, of life. But yeah, at, at every turn, I just felt like it wasn't enough. I couldn't, I couldn't arrive. I think I'd arrive. I couldn't quite arrive. I wanted to be great. I couldn't be great. But what was always there for me in all those times was the food. I could always come back to the food. I could always change my sense of uh, reality, my perceptions. I could get all these different substances and concoctions. And then suddenly, life didn't seem so hard. Maybe I felt like I'd arrived at least for a moment with the effect from food. So that's how I look at this. And I identify in. And, that, and, and we talk about working the steps, but the first couple steps, our conclusions of the minds we identify in. So that's what I um, wanted to share this morning is that I have. On that note, thank you, Jason Kay. We're going to wrap up. I'd like to thank everyone who shared. Thank you so much to the readers for your service and everyone for an awesome meeting. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour immediately following another awesome hour. The share ID for yesterday, uh, for today's meeting, uh, January 25th, 2019, is 12,462. That's 12462. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Barbara E., would you please read A Vision for You? Thank you, and thank you all, my brothers and sisters. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.